I'm the Reverend Brianne Swan, and this is Sermons from the East End for Thanksgiving Sunday, October 8, 2023. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, from the New Revised Standard Version, Updated Edition. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not be enough to buy bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted, When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. So I do my best to have my sermon completely written before Saturday night. But I'll be honest with you, I am not usually successful. However, those weeks that I am successful, like I've managed to practice some really good time management skills, or perhaps the week has been a little bit lighter, you know, you know, that's the week that something unexpected is going to happen. Something that forces me to take the sermon I'd already written and to chuck it over the bluer viaduct. This week was one of those weeks. Last Sunday, East End United hosted a special lay-led service called the Cosmic Walk. This gave me a little bit of extra time to think about what I might like to say about Thanksgiving about abundance, about the blessings of spiritual gifts and all that mushy stuff people want to hear at Thanksgiving. But then, Thursday afternoon, East End United received an ask. But before I tell you that story, first I need to tell you this story. 
Many of you will have read about asylum seekers from countries throughout Central Africa who have been held in limbo, landing in Toronto and then being directed to 129 Peter Street, where the offices of the Toronto Shelter Support and Housing Administration are located. Since the summer, hundreds of refugees have been left to sleep on the street as the municipal, provincial, and federal governments argued over who should be paying to shelter these newcomers. It is a very, very different situation to when hundreds of Ukrainians started landing in Canada. And the difference in reception was not lost on many community leaders throughout the city. And so the pastors and parishioners of black congregations in North York and Vaughan, as well as the Ethiopian Association Toronto, stepped in, transporting asylum seekers to their churches. They have been caring for them there ever since and advocating on their behalf. People sleeping in the sanctuaries. Dominion Church had two showers for more than 200 people. Volunteers making and serving food, taking people to appointments, offering spiritual counseling, day in, day out, 24-7, for months now. It is the leaders of these black churches and the wider black community who have been raising the alarm, advocating for the government to find solutions for this housing crisis. Revival Time Tabernacle Pastor Judith James said in a recent Toronto Star article, People treat their pets better than the government has treated our community. I try to imagine what it would be like at both of our East End United campuses if our sanctuaries and meeting rooms were filled all day, every day, with people who need to be fed and cared for. What an absolutely enormous task that would be. And I also sit and try to imagine what it must be like to think that you have arrived in a country where you are going to be safe, where you're going to be looked after, a land of abundance, a land where, as we hear in the book of Deuteronomy, you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing. And to go from that dream to sleeping on streets and then church basements. I can't even begin to fathom what that must be like. Revival time tabernacle ceased being able to provide shelter once the school year started. And so Dominion Church at Shepherd and Weston Road became the primary location hosting the stranded asylum seekers from places such as Uganda, Kenya, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and Tanzania. More and more people have been showing up at their doors, spilling over into areas of the rented building that aren't exclusively for use of the church. On Thursday, we found out almost 100 people, the overflow of the 200 Dominion Church had been supporting, would not have a place to sleep. This was in addition to the 80 people still stranded outside 129 Peter downtown. And so pastors 
and community leaders from Dominion Church and Revival Time Tabernacle put out the call looking for a space that could hold 100 people and was willing to take on some guests within the next few hours. It was a one-night ask. The government had agreed to relocate 92 asylum seekers to Windsor the next day. But there was still Thursday night to get through, and the rain was coming. And that's when I emailed Pino, East End's director of community hubs, and wrote something to the effect of, Hey, Pino, I know I'm new here, and this is crazy, but 99 people need a place to sleep tonight. Can we do that, maybe? And Pino emailed me back and said, Call me. And to be honest, I was expecting a very kind but also very firm explanation of why that was ridiculous, about how there was no way we could make that happen with only a few hours' notice. You see, I'm a person who gets these big ideas. I figure I can think big and then land somewhere. So I'm very used to sympathetic reality checks. I get them a lot. Instead, what Pino said was, I think we can make this work. And so that's how it came to be that 99 souls came for a sleepover at Eastminster on Thursday night. After Pino and I got off the phone, he went to tell our custodian to get the mats and pillows ready, and I went to tell those who were ministering to the asylum seekers that we had space. The next task was to find busing for 100 people. And as they worked on the buses with our friends from Lawrence Park Community Church, and the building staff worked on getting the Eastminster space ready, I realized, oh my goodness, how are we going to feed these people? Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus can be tricksy with his questions sometimes. And so that's when I started sending out the alert. If you live in the east end of Toronto, you may have noticed the air smelled like baking muffins all Thursday night. That's because folks in the congregation started baking within minutes of my posting on Realm, our internal communication channel, asking for help. A United Church colleague who has been working alongside the black community throughout this crisis started phoning other United Churches for assistance, and our friends at Eglinton St. George's offered to get coffee and bagels for the morning. On a whim, I made a post in the Jackman Public School Facebook group. My youngest son goes to Jackman, which is just down the street from our Eastminster campus but this was literally my very first post to the group. I generally save all my peopling for work. I explained in the post what was going on. Yes, I know it's ten after nine at night, but does anybody have any food they can spare? I kid you not, the texts started flooding in. I was expecting some snacks, but parents started messaging... I'm going to Sobeys. Ain't nobody going hungry on our watch. What do you need? 
and one mom called saying, I am on my way with $300 worth of groceries. Folks started sending out texts to their neighbors, offering to do porch pickups and bring their donations to the church as well. And then the rain came, and in the downpour, people started showing up with food, bags and bags of food, crates of juice boxes and bottles of water, congregation members, Jackman parents, neighbors who heard from neighbors, the food just kept arriving. We started with five barley loaves and a couple of fish. We started with a single yes, but that yes turned into dozens of yeses as the night went on. Yes begets yes. And eventually, the buses of guests arrived. The gym was set up with mats and pillows and blankets. The sanctuary was open to people to have a quiet place to pray and meditate. The showers were stocked. The food was laid out. There was some orientation and setting up and then lights out. I went into the kitchen and overnight made 100 sandwiches for the next day. By 4 a.m., I think while I was on my 73rd sandwich, I started to cry. Partly from fatigue, maybe also a little bit of overwhelm. I was thinking about the 80 folks at Peter Street who were outside in the rain. I was thinking about our siblings at Dominion Church who had been doing this intense hosting day in and day out for months. Months. That this one night is such a small drop in the bucket by comparison. But also, I thought about how with such short notice, what a remarkable showing of support we saw from members of this community, who brought food and who showed up early in the morning to help serve breakfast. I thought about members of our wider United Church community and members of the neighborhood who were pleased to be asked, who wanted to help, who stepped up. We couldn't have pulled off this one night of hospitality without them. And that Thanksgiving sermon I'd already written? I may not have thrown it off the viaduct, but you're not going to hear it until next year. There is a tendency in United Church circles to think of ourselves as living out the role of Jesus in the world. You know, Christ has no body now but ours. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. We see ourselves in the Jesus role when we respond to the needs of others. And it's not that this is wrong, but it's also not the full truth. Because sometimes we forget that Jesus is God incarnate. And how exactly each of us interpret that might vary, but on some level within the Christian faith, there is an understanding that God lives among us incarnationally. That is, there is an embodiment of the Spirit in some kind of earthly form. The divine becomes enfleshed. 
But the thing is, our fleshy selves have very fleshy needs. Food, water, shelter. And that was no different for Jesus, a man living within occupied territory, whose very story begins with his family needing to flee from a violent, tyrannical ruler and seek refuge in a foreign land. He was a person with a body and a spirit who needed food to eat, who needed a place to sleep, who needed to use the bathroom, who needed the care of others. We were not being Jesus on Thursday. We were not emulating Jesus. We were welcoming Jesus. And how do we welcome Jesus? How do we welcome Christ? Hopefully, with nothing less than extravagant hospitality. The buses arrived on Friday morning to take our guests back to Dominion Church. Many were being processed to move on to Windsor where the government would find them housing but there are still more than 100 people sleeping at Dominion, 80 people at 129 Peter Street. The need is still great. And I am not sure how East End's role in this story is going to play out. But the asks for assistance have continued since Thursday night. I'm not sure what our response will be or can be, that requires a community conversation. But for now, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, I can sing a song of thanks. That one yes can lead to another and then lead to another. That despite how infuriating and enraging it is that so many people are living unhoused within this country, and that those in equity-seeking communities have been demanding justice for so, so very long. That despite this, there also exists a spirit of generosity that endures. That people will respond out of abundance and hospitality when given the opportunity to do so. And so I hope I hope this conversation can and will continue. And I leave us all with this question. What will our role be within this story of people searching for home? Amen.
That was Wade in the Water, brought to us by the Antioch Mass Choir. To read more about the ongoing housing and refugee crisis in Toronto, please visit our show notes that can be found in the summary section of whatever podcast distributor you are listening from. East End United Regional Ministry is an affirming congregation within the United Church of Canada. To learn more about our worship schedule or our many, many outreach programs, please visit us online at www.eastendunited.ca.